Greetings, citizens, and welcome to episode 128 of Paranoia, Fight Together or Die a Clone. More filler. You might be wondering, hey, you took a hiatus. Where's the content? Well, I don't have it because it's hard to make and run missions. But I have open right now, in fact, the document for the next mission. It's still a work in progress, but I have the general outline and I've been thinking about it for a while. Uh, I also have Kyle. Why don't you tell me all about the mission, Ghost? No. As is um, tradition. We're thinking about playing on maybe the 20th, which is President's Day, because some people will have the day off. God bless the USA. And if that's the case, then I will probably have one more week of filler before we have more contents again, which would be kind of unfortunate to have to do three in a row. But, but, if... Life is hard. If I never have to do filler again after this, then I will have perfect symmetry by having one guest star, uh, each of the players, that is, uh, do an episode of filler with me. So I'd have one alone and one with each of the players. That would be that would be so <clears throat> that would be so nice. All I have to do is never do filler again after this. Never again. <laughs> oh, that's a good joke. We just gotta make sure we just gotta make sure that this session, this next session, this mission lasts uh eighteen hours. I don't know about that. Then you'll never have to do filler again. That would that would um would give me a lot of a lot of stuff to work with. I'm going to try to avoid that. I believe I promised that I would make the mission short and not really long. Well, we'll see how that goes. atop his fickle tower. See how that goes. See how that goes. Um, <clears throat> what I was doing earlier was just going through secret societies and talking about them. But then people, people asked some stuff. They asked if they could give suggestions. Ah, uh, specifically, someone said, are you taking suggestions for filler this week? And I said, how do you know I was already doing filler? And they said, uh, because you have not run and edited a session's worth of content. Uh, and that's true. So <clears throat> let's, uh, let's, let's, see, let's see if there's any interesting questions. Well, questions. Um, I want to hear about the various service groups. Well, you know, I think I did a write-up of all of them pretty early in the thing. Did I? Let me see if I'm insane. Let's see. Secret Files number one. Yeah, I wrote about... Uh, I guess we could talk more about them a little bit. Uh, let's do that. Let's do that in a little bit. What other questions do we have here? Um, talk about 5th edition paranoia. Yeah, I barely looked at that one because people said that the older ones were better. Oops, can't answer that question. Kyle, have you looked at it? No. Okay. Um, I think I've only ever looked at uh, the ones you've given us. The... When like when we first played, and then zap. <laughs> Talk about Fritter's secret society. Yeah, what's he in? Let me know. I guess we could do that. I mean, I don't. I think that this is going to end before Fritter would want to rejoin, and I don't think Fritter would even want to join after this much time has has passed. He'll probably play in the next game that I run, you know. But do you want to do that? Sure. I love knowing secrets. I already know many a thing I should not know. Yeah, you really do. Um, well, Fritter was in something special, something called a program group. Do you know what those are, Kyle? I assume, by based on context, that has something to do with the programmers, so he was fucking working for Ultraviolets or something That's like that. That's basically correct, yes. Program groups are, are special little secret societies, which are... 
various things directed by high programmers. It can be anything from a bunch of disposable lackeys to a fan club to uh, some kind of secret plot started decades ago with the intent of eventually overthrowing Alpha Complex. Um, you never know. And it's just one of the couple of little ways that the game designers have squeezed in some options for you to make more stuff. And uh, I don't remember if that's the first thing that Fritter rolled, but he did roll it when he was going through Secret Societies. Uh, and uh, he said that he would take it. So his program group was called Left Left Orange. People are gonna want to. People are gonna have a lot of questions that I can't answer, um, and the reason for that is as follows: um, When I start the game, I don't know everything that's gonna happen. I know a good deal of things that will happen. I'm planning ahead to like the the one third way of the campaign. When I get to the one third way, I plan to the two thirds way. When I get to the two thirds way, I plan to the end. Um, that's just a, a good way to make sure that you don't make so much shit that the players have no freedom to choose what's going on. Fritter dropped out multiple years ago, so I haven't. I never really finished all the stuff uh, that he was going to be doing. But um, his secret society had it, it had something to do with mapping all the buildings and addresses and locations in the Alpha Complex for some mysterious reason. If you remember Mission 1, he had some indigo rods. Do you remember those? I do remember those. I Those things made me think that, man, for just getting indigo, like, secret society bullshit like, out the gate, he's got to be in something, like, high up. So I thought initially thought, like, man, maybe he's in Scions or something equally dangerous. It's reasonable. It's a reasonable guess. And you're sort of right. He is in something high up, uh, so to speak. So his goal was to um, place those as far down as he can in the mines. Um, and the reason for that was to triangulate uh, something. It, it doesn't really matter what it was to triangulate, but triangulating things is important. Um, and so they were, he was supposed to place the survey rods, and because they were indigo, none of the, the mine workers would just see them and say, I'm not touching that, you know, and keep going. Unfortunately, you guys never actually entered the mine proper. Um I mean, he, his, he, at the end of the mission, he was like, well, we never went in there, so I couldn't uh, do anything. And I said, well, you should have made him go in there. Um, but, you know, it was a, it was a, a pretty difficult mission, all things considered. Um, so I don't blame him for failing that one. I don't actually remember what his mission was in Mission 2. Let me check. It's a shame he dropped out. Can you imagine yeah. how fun it would be if a fucking ultraviolet lackey uh, was in the game with me? As things <laughs> turned out. Yeah. Um, shoot. I don't know. No. Um, but in three, mission three, uh, oh boy, uh, that was the murder investigation. You remember that? I love murder. Um, one of the things that was on display in the evidence vault was those three rods. Uh, did you, I, I assume you didn't notice that because I don't think anyone noticed that. I think so, no. Um, and so... I uh, I gave Fritter a couple of chances to dispose of the evidence, and he did, because the entire security vault blew up. So that actually was of some benefit to him, although it was still very um, bad for him, because he died, uh, and everyone got in trouble. But, but he did get rid of the evidence against the secret society. And, uh, in fact, one of the... There were a bunch of weird code words for all the security vaults. Um, almost all of them were just made-up bullshit, except... One of them, I think, 
If I recall, I think people complained because I accidentally called it orange, orange, left when it was supposed to be left, left, orange. Or no, wait, I did call it left, left, orange. So was it orange, orange, left originally? I think I mixed it up at one point. But like, um, there were a bunch of case files. Here they are. Case file, epsilon, delta, alpha, uh, green, red, red, green, left, left, orange, mega, omega, delta, green. Um, and so that was another sort of hint. You could, it, there is no reason for anyone to do it, but if someone just had the immense, just like autistic urge to catalog everything in that room, they could have said indigo rods, fruit head those, code name, orange, orange, left, or left, left, orange, whichever it is. Uh, and you would have, you would have been able to know what secret society he's in. Um, and I put lots of things like that in the game sometimes just because it's funny. Um, and, and because it, it, it freaks out whoever the thing points to, even if the evidence is so scant that there's no way it would ever do anything. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then, Vault um, mission sure was something. <laughs> that was, though, I think that, I think that's, that's still one of the best ones of this campaign there's a few things that i definitely should have done differently in the vault you know we already talked if i've talked talk about that 500 times whatever who cares but the whole mission uh that was really fun i enjoyed that one and then uh right before fritter left i was putting him in a thing where there was going to be a special they were they were going to set up a special building with a bunch of server data and he got to talk to a weird guy who was blue i think and he got to pick from three jobs with the knowledge that the other two jobs we're going to be assigned to other people. And then if he wanted to be get a promotion and be in charge of the whole project once the three jobs were done, he had to do better than the other two people did. So I was going to introduce two other characters who were working on whichever tasks he didn't pick. I thought that was going to be fun, but unfortunately, um, he got too busy with work and life. Uh, he, he could not deal with that at the time. But that's, that's the stuff that I had planned out so far. They were going to make a building, um, and I was going to store a bunch of data... And there was a there was a software the the one he chose was to get um some software from the computer freaks called Worldman.exe. I never quite decided what that did. I th- I was thinking I was thinking it would probably do something like it was going to hijack some some GPS signals and keep track of where a bunch of things were, or it was going to like triangulate something. There was going to be a lot of triangulation as a sort of a theme of his secret missions. Um, but oh well, that's that's what that is. Intazanarkin. Uh, Intazanarkin, yeah. Oh, am I going to have to play that like 50 times in this minute? Oh, <laughs> fuck, I'm going to have to edit that in so many times. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I should have talked about it. Oh my god, whatever. It's going to take a while tomorrow. I'm doing these fillers last minute. I shouldn't be doing them last minute. I should get them already at the start of something. Fuck you. Next question. Uh, next question. Uh, talk about Voidbot. Uh, it's been a while since we've heard about Voidbot. No. Uh, well, maybe. Um, what's there to talk about that's not just, like, spoilers for the future? Well, I mean, what do we know so far? Like, we know he's on, uh, he's on, you know, he's, he's deep, knee-deep in plenty of robot secret societies. Yes. Uh, we, did we ever find his package? No. Um, that... That hasn't happened yet. He nobody. He hasn't said anything about it. Um, it doesn't seem like you found anything out from Lights. Do you think? Do you think Lights is not guilty in this case? I don't. It's been a while since uh, me and Lights. I don't even remember if we did that in recording, but it's been a while since we talked about the packages. I don't think I thought he did it at the time. 
He didn't say anything remarkably suspicious when you brought it up. Like he didn't like I don't I don't I didn't address it directly until like later, but he didn't seem to indicate he had any idea what was going on. Hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of a mystery. Um what about the like, websites he's been on? How worried are you about that? I mean, uh what what was he on? He was like on like the like Bitcoin Assassins, uh he yeah. was on like a bunch of information broker sites. Something something called uh under something. Underlord? I can't remember. I think it some, was like some something robot lower, Illuminati yeah. website or so so either you claimed or lights claimed, I can't remember. I think I was it Scrubbat or was it both of them that were on like the LOL cat site? Yeah, Except, both of them were on that one, I think. Both of them were on or, that. Or maybe yeah. it was only maybe it was only um Stitchbot. I, I think I remember both of them being on there, but I could be wrong. There were a couple that were shared by both of them, but I can't remember anymore. I have it written down somewhere, but I don't care. Um <sighs> I wonder what's really going on with Voidbot. And this is where I cut in and I I put that. What is going on with Voidbot? I don't think I ever actually fully explained it. It's too late for some of the events to occur now, so I might as well tell you. There never was a missing package or missing bot for Voidbot. He never ordered such a part. Instead, this was all a ruse in order to hopefully get Kyle to do some snooping on Lights. Voidbot wanted to know the location of Lights' secret base so that... Not personally, but he could have some other robot go and try to assassinate the Emperor. Unfortunately, that never panned out, so Lights didn't have any extra things to deal with on his mission. So, is Voidbot evil? You be the judge. Don't um, worry. Well, I'm going I'm going to get a truck. I'm going to fast track that crab robot. I'm going to dig straight to the void. And the worker... <laughs> They get four societies in on it. It's gonna be horrific. Yeah, it'll um, be great. Let's see. Do my best not to get a race before then, or or don't, and just go AWOL. Who knows? How did I first get into paranoia? Um, I could talk about that, but Kyle wouldn't have anything to say about. He'd have even less to say about that than the stuff I'm already monologuing about. So I'll do that at the end if we haven't spent enough time talking about shit. Um. I'd love to find out your thoughts on how paranoia should be adjusted as clearance levels increase and the difference between running for new groups versus experienced groups. That's I definitely think that experienced groups should be starting off quicker into the higher tiers. The, yeah, um, the it's, dancing it, around and uh, like it's like a Call of Cthulhu game. Like the, the, the longer like I, the, the player... And the Call of Cthulhu character. And the longer I exist, the more fucked up shit you need to throw at me. Yeah. Sooner on. Um, if this hadn't been a podcast, I probably would have started everyone at orange or yellow even. I was I was definitely thinking, you know, maybe I should start them later. But since it was a podcast, I wanted to start at red. Um, and I nudged people into promotions a little bit faster than I normally would have, I will admit. But I I do that sometimes anyway, like... If, hypothetically, I keep track of everyone's um, progress, like, with a percentage, I'm just going to say a percentage is what I use, that's not quite what I use, then, like, when people get to around 90%, that's when I consider promoting them, even if they're not actually at enough points to get to the next one, because sometimes it's more interesting to say, you know, okay, you're... 
you're orange now, but you're only just barely. If you fuck up even a little bit, if you even if you just do like neutral and you don't impress anyone, you're gonna probably go back down to red. You know, it's fun to be able to say that, or you know, it's fun to be able to say, you know, wow, you're you're so far into orange, you're probably you know you're probably set, you're probably not gonna go back down. Um, so I you know I fudge a little bit and that's okay, um, but it 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 gets yeah you have to do one of two things you have to promote people, uh, or you have to bend the rules even more and say, you know, uh, this stuff is supposed to be only for yellow clearance, but I'm just going to give it to my red troubleshooters. I've done that a few times too. Like I gave, I gave people a flamethrower in campaign two, even though they were not supposed to have one. I said it was for cleaning. I was just like, I don't know. It's a flamethrower for cleaning stuff. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Uh, that was the, uh, that was the mission where I was in the wheelchair at, at the halfway point, wasn't it? Yeah. That was when everyone had the squads. Horribly. <laughs> Oh god, that was that was incredible. I don't know if they've heard this story, but like halfway through that mission, so we all got put into basically everyone was in a part of a duos of mm. of like secret pairs, and they had to get something yeah. as their objective. And me and Cheese were in a duo. And che- Cheese is not a mispronunciation of bees. Uh, that's another player who needs to have. <laughs> no, yes, yes. Believe me, people get the names confused. It annoys everyone. So me and Cheese were in a secret pair, and everyone else was in a secret pair trying to get something. And we were in this big, like, meeting uh, near the medical bay, I think. Mm. And yeah, I essentially, I, right. I, I had the flamethrower. And so I decided to rig it to explode the next time anyone pulls on it. And unfortunately, uh, no one was going to pull on it but me in this situation. Not that it would make sense for anyone but me. So I pulled it and blew up for the purpose of creating a distraction for Cheese. I remember Cheese snuck over to, like, the medical locker and unlocked it with the stuff we needed to steal. And it was already gone. And, like, comically, she turned to her right and she could see, like, I think it was lights holding it. Yeah, he had stolen for no reason, right? Or, or... Yes, it was... I don't think it was part of his mission or part of he, his... He was just for... like, oh, valuable drugs, I'm gonna take those. Absolutely comical. And then, um... This, this isn't exactly related, but the the end result of that mission was everyone was actually doing uh, different steps in an elaborate heist so that a bunch of uh, robots could steal a bunch of shit. Well, not a bunch of robots, but they, they had one of the steps was reprogramming the security robots in the base to steal the stuff because another team would open the vault and another team was drugging all the guards so that they wouldn't be able to stop them. That's Very where the, the robots would keep repeating, oh boy, it's time to go. I don't know if we've ever actually said that in this podcast. We've probably said it a few times. Oh boy, it's time to go. Surely in 120 episodes we've said, oh boy, it's time to go. But that's where that originated from. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's I, the difference in. So well, okay. Like the actual difference in in clearance levels is, um, I would say there really isn't too much of one. Like most missions, conceptually, you can change them to be of lower or higher clearance with just a couple of like little a, a few exposition phrases. Like pick pick a mission that we've done, Kyle, in the podcast. In the podcast. Um... Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a mission that had a lot of clearance level going on. I mean, I think uh, the museum. There's certainly a lot of stuff we weren't allowed to touch there. Yeah. Um, so the museum, what you were supposed to... I mean, you are supposed to be watching other troubleshooters. That's something that you can get at, at higher level um, stuff is keeping track of other people with important jobs. Um, I, I usually don't give that to people because that feels like something that you would be doing at a higher clearance level. But like, you know... We think that this, you know, blue guy running this business 
is actually doing X, Y, Z and, or, or, um, reappropriating funds from the company account. And we want you to investigate his building. That's something that you could give the higher clearance people. Um, but it, you can do, you know, so you can do the same thing with just like, you know, some other troubleshooters of your, of your clearance, like your, a uranium mine, probably that should be above red clearance. If we're going to be honest, I feel like that actually probably would make more sense as like a yellow or green clearance emission is like, Hey, this uranium mine is having problems. The idea is that like uranium is not the end all be all to alpha complex. Like it, it's it's like that's sure true. it's a dang, it's, it's a hats it's hazardous material, but it's not important material anymore. I think it is a good. I think that's and, a good lore tidbit. I also I, I downplayed it a lot by saying you know there it, there's some kind of discrepancy of like point six percent or something or whatever it was one point four percent, and nobody can figure it out. So none of the maintenance people have figured it out. So you just you go in and take a look at it, you know. Um, if, if I wanted to do that mission, but for higher clearance level people, what I would do is first I would say, you know, there's been like a 30% drop in this mine. Uh, I'm picturing like blue clearance troubleshooters in my head, you know, and nobody can fucking figure out where it's going. I would have made some of the people in the mine higher clearance level probably just, or or like there there was a reference to like the the, the head of the mine was like indigo and i remember the specifically there was the line like you you will not be meeting with the head of the the mine he's too busy um and instead i would have said you know okay you can bug the head of the mine if you want to but he's like indigo or something um so if you really need information on something you can go there but you should probably do it yourself um and then i would have had much more deadly robots that kill you um probably like some booby traps to kill anyone who's snooping in the mine um, but also give the players a bunch more ridiculous tools and armor and stuff like that. You know, you can just just sort of soup it up. Um, I, it's clearance level is like in my mind, it's like oblivion level scaling and sanity. <laughs> like yeah, the- it kind of is like that. You know, I'm sure there's smart like smart things that you can change to make to change the feeling, but I can't really think of what those would be right now. Something that is interesting is I think there's rule books for. Um, some other job types and there's stuff suggesting, you know, what would, what would a game with paranoia be like if you were not troubleshooters? What would it be like in the armed forces? And, and that, for example, I think would be more like missions that are kind of almost more like traditional dungeons, like breaching and clearing some building full of commies or mutants and traitors. Or, you know, what would it be like an insect? An insect, it would be entirely like spy work and a lot less focus on stuff like, um, Wise, uh, what's going on in this Hoffman facility? Yeah, you know, a, a lot less, like, caring a lot less about, like, fixing things and caring a lot more about pinning pinning stuff on people. Uh, a lot more focus on turning each other in. And, and you know, even, you could even look at uh, just some of the service groups, which was another question I think I got asked that I skipped over, but maybe we'll come back to that. Maybe we'll pivot to that here. Um, yeah. Like, uh... R&D, a very popular service group. Yeah, you could probably make some really interesting some really interesting stuff with R and D. Um, I have a whole actually. <laughs> this is this is a secret, Kyle. Don't tell anyone. I tell you all my good secrets. Um, Naturally, I have a whole mission that's kind of based on like R and D stuff, but it's not for paranoia. It's for something else that I'm going to run in the future. But you could definitely make something where there's like sort of like not just like puzzles to solve because that becomes sort of a weird, different type of thing. But something where it's like you've got different experiments you need to run and catalog the results. And you have people who are demanding that you do things faster and more dangerously and things like that. 
Um, I think you could probably also do something really interesting with HPD and MC. Uh, like something that's just like all about um, public, the public image and making people taking what's actually going on in Alpha Complex and, and making it look really good for everyone involved and really bad for the commies, mutants, and traitors. I feel like there's some really good potential there. I don't quite know what it is, but I, you could probably do a whole campaign where people are in HPD and MC. I think all the service groups, because the nature of this, the uh, setting, like, you can always be interesting. Like, even, uh, <laughs> what is it, Power Services? Was it one power of Power Services, or maybe yeah. Like, there are... So, oh God, have we told them about the, the sentient uh, nuclear reactors? Yes, I think we've told that story a couple times now. <laughs> Um, like, like every... there's all kinds of interesting stuff you can do, yeah. I think if you wanted a full list of service groups, like, because, I mean, like, HPD and MC, uh, that's something, housing, and then the second, last two letters, MC, are mind control. So, like, just yeah. that in that, housing, like... preservation, development, and mind control. You And, of course, CPU. Uh, yeah, central process. A lot, of in- lot of interesting things that you can do with CPU that I'm sure people have uh, brushed up against with mine and Lights' issues with them. Yeah, that would be just more like a you could you could run like a big management game, which uh, I definitely haven't talked a lot about big management games because I'm definitely not running any in this game. Looks at the camera, looks back at the computer screen, but just to go over them, I if you look in in the Discord, um, in I think like game game secrets or something, there is uh, a link to a write up that I wrote about all of the service groups and if you look in the thread then uh there's a link there too it's called secret files number one or something um but just to go over them the, there's eight service groups in alpha complex um and you usually assign people on like a non-troubleshooting job that is either depending on the campaign like if you or game you, you can say like this is what you had before or i usually say like you this is your day job and every once in a while you get called in for a troubleshooting mission because you don't always you're not always doing troubleshooting missions otherwise I feel like um, the problem the problem with a campaign where it's implied that you're doing troubleshooting missions every day is you have to do one or two things. One, I, I keep saying one or two instead of one of two. I've done that like five times in a row. Um, you have to either say, you know, yeah, we've been playing this campaign for three years, but actually this is your eighth day at work. Uh, or you have to say, yeah, there's been just an absolutely huge number of troubleshooting missions that you've done. Um, that we haven't talked about, but apparently you didn't die or get promoted or demoted on any of them. Um, and I don't like either of those. So I say you still have your normal job, but sometimes you get called in for troubleshooting. Troubleshooting is a, a part-time thing. There's the idea that, you know, uh, maybe the troubleshooting mission just went completely smoothly, or maybe it was a false alarm, or maybe it was nothing. And the problem with that is that it cannot be any of those three things if it's an actual troubleshooting mission. Something yeah. has to be horrific for a troubleshooter to get called in. Otherwise, it's just going to be like tech service workers who have handled it. Or if you really want to fuck with it. your players, if you really want to fuck with your players, you should sprinkle in some missions that are just like, oh, it's not really actually a problem. Just like just to absolutely ruin their lives. They'll absolutely go fucking insane, um, and they won't be able to do anything anymore. <laughs> That's so fucking me. Um, I th- I think have I so- I've sort of done that in the sense that I've had like. Everything's actually just a really minor problem that's easy to fix, but a bunch of stuff happens because people are confused. I think that's a good compromise for actually your players do get to do stuff that's fun. There's been missions where our actual mission is almost irrelevant to what we actually get caught up. Like, I'm trying to remember, there was that one mission with uh, the the um, out-of-the-way... I don't remember where it was, but it was like a 
a residential complex, and below it was that sewer with the the FCC cult. Do you remember that? Uh, yes. Um, and the the fan man and the fan there, was, man, there yeah. was there there were a couple of missions where there was just like whole fucking uh, almost almost D and D dungeons that I did because I thought it was funny sometimes to just put people in a horrible dungeon with fucking mines and robots and lasers and giant rats. Although I guess I I kind of moved away from that. Although a couple of these have been like that. The the undersea one was kind of like an actual dungeon, just because because of the locale, it was really easy to set it up like that. You know, because uh, you have to go through these rooms in certain orders or whatever. Uh, what? Uh, let me see if there's any other interesting questions. Uh, left, left, orange. Yes. Left, left, orange again. Yes, we did that. Um, more society stuff. Well, how, how much? Okay, oh, wait, hang on. How much time have we spent here? Um, Thirty-three minutes. Thirty-three minutes. Okay, well, we'll go a little longer then. Uh, we can, this can go as long as you like. Ah, okay. Uh, talk about ultraviolets. How you use them in your games and what you picture them to be like. What do you picture them to be like, Kyle? So, this is hmm, this is a term that I think of quite often, and it's uh, Olympian-like in that. I think Ultraviolet should be like fucking uh, Athena and Zeus and Artemis and actual <laughs> Olympian gods. That's how that n- n- maybe not in power set, but certainly in behavior and authority. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's quite what I would have said, but that that's pretty accurate. I think they're they're the, like they these are, should be the guys like, that if I they're they're sort of like superheroes, except they don't actually. Most of them don't have weird powers. Most of them just have weird organizations and tools and sometimes technologies and and various stuff like some of them are just like reclusive weird freaks some of them are are complete nut jobs who like ruin everything around them but somehow get away with it all some of them are are extremely competent and dangerous a lot of them are extremely competent and dangerous because you have to be if you if i can picture an ultraviolet in my head and i can think of a way to just like take them down or like expose them and, and get them demoted then I have to think of a different ultraviolet because that character wouldn't exist. There, like, there's there's lots of people in Alpha Complex who have nothing better to do than say, "I wonder if we could take down an ultraviolet," and they try and then they die. Um, but if they would have succeeded, then there wouldn't be that ultraviolet. You know. Hey, hit me up. I'm at Purge. Uh, my headquarters is in MMX. And my uh, email me at this webzone. Elroy is actually the first ultraviolet that I've had in person in any of my games. Um, and I, I really had to think a lot about that. I actually had the idea for Elroy um, and some of his plotline pretty much at, like, Mission 2. I was like, I'd really like it if, like, they get caught up in this evil robot experiment um, by an ultraviolet. And he's he's just bringing in tons of people to interview them about things. Uh, and the players happen to be one of those. That's a realistic way that the players could meet an ultraviolet. Um, but I was like, you know what? For my players, it would be fine if it was Mission 2, because it would be like, wow, an ultraviolet. But for people who've never played Paranoia before, they will get the wrong impression if there's an ultraviolet at the end of Mission 2. Um, they're going to think that it's like, you know, uh, wow, it's the dragon in Dungeons & Dragons. Or, or like, wow, it's it's the bugbear. Uh, or like, wow, it's the knoll. Um, as opposed to, oh, fuck, it's an ultraviolet. Uh, so I want. I, I actually had to hold my tongue 
and not use that, even though I thought it was a really good idea. I was like, I'll do it after mission like four or five or something like that. Um, my <clears throat> my advice is uh, revealing like the stage lights going on and showing off citizen of a high clearance level is cool. If you skip over levels, then you're missing your chances. If you you know if you show people red, green, or red, red, orange, and yellow citizens in their first mission, and then the next mission you're like, here's an ultraviolet, then people will be like, wow, that's crazy. But um, then you can't go, here's a blue, here's a here's a violet, you know, here's an indigo, here's a green. You can't do any of those anymore because it's it's been spoiled. So if you've got new players, that's that's good for the new players versus old players question. Introduce things in tiers. Um, but but you got to skip at least one tier, otherwise the players will know. That's my favorite thing in any form of media. Have I mentioned that? Um, is when it's like, we have to get the six things, the six MacGuffins to stop the big bad guy. And you get the first four and you go to the fifth zone and it's like, we're too late. The fifth zone has exploded. The thing is lost. What will we do? And then you have to go on a completely different quest. That's so fucking cool. It's so fucking cool. I think... I don't know. Is that am I am I making sense? Am I sounding insane, Kyle? No, I I, I enjoy. Uh, I I understand where you come from. I enjoy the idea of uh uh oh, got a main path gone. Gotta go through the side paths. Yeah. Um, I think it's you know it's interesting and uh this this may this is a comical term but subverting expectations in a fun way. Yeah, I can, I can never think of good examples of this, but I like I know I see it all the time. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, go fuck yourself. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out an example of when that actually happens in like a, a good form of media someday. But the um, Dragon Balls are destroyed. We gotta go get the different Dragon Balls. <laughs> well, I did say good form of media. I love screaming. No, I'm kidding. Oh yeah, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever actually had a violet. Is what I was gonna say. Ah uh, yes. Um, I introduced players to blues. And then I remember the first indigo that I introduced him to was was Mr. High Def, Mr. That Mr. was the uh, yeah the uh, <laughs> his name was like Mr. H. Uh, it it was something uh, related, and then Sector DEF. He was related to the uh, God, the, like the camera. I don't remember exactly what that mission was. Was it, you, that was you, you, you had to film getting... a documentary, and he was like the director or producer or something. Right, right. It was about the mutant facility. So they, the they were they had to film a documentary on mutants. Um, and he was, he, he showed up unexpectedly to, what? uh, it, do some weird shit and ruin everyone's life and they had to work around him. Up until that point, the most we had dealt with was blues and, you know, blues were always scary and like, yeah. the scariest we've ever dealt with was like a blue manager of a hydroelectric dam. And we had like, I think <laughs> like a green on our side and we, like the green and us were desperate to try and get anything on this blue we could because like the green can't right, do anything yeah. alone about it. The we can't do anything alone about the blue. I think we even ended up like I remember like, I remember at the debriefing of that mission, like someone said, I wanna call in like the damn manager. Uh, and then I said, uh, he walked into the room with a big smile on his face. And then someone else, like, Ram was like, no, 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 you didn't say that. You didn't say that. I covered your mouth. No, you didn't say that. And I was like, okay, he walks out of the room. I remember that. It was really funny. I can't remember the context, though. I'll have to ask Graham. Uh, I, I vaguely, like, I think we were calling in. I'm not sure. It, it was, it was during, we were, ne- we needed people to vouch for us. Yeah, uh, we got, something. And I don't remember who, but, but for he, some reason... He, like, he had some information that would have, like, damned you. Uh, pun not intended. And so, like, you didn't you didn't actually want to talk or something. I um, think they were thinking of, like, the green guy who we helped and who helped us. That's probably yeah. why that happened. I think, that, but... I, th- I, think that, I think that, like, someone said, 
I want to call in like that guy. But they meant another guy. And I was like, okay, okay. I know that you meant the other guy. So I'll, I'll let you change it, even though you misspoke. And then when was the first time that we saw a blue in this one? In this one? I think there, were, there was a green in the uranium mine. I think there was one green. Where were they? Not in mission Let's... two, I don't think. In mission three, in mission three, the it was the lady who got assassinated. She was blue. Um, that is true. So I guess that counts. And then when did you first see an indigo? Have we seen an indigo in this mission? Um... Well, you, I mean, there were indigos in the underwater mission. There were some at the start, and there was two or one in the facility. Yes. But were there any before that? There were definitely indigos in the underwater wizard, an underwater wizard, underwater lab, because I had to kill one, and he was already yeah. dead on arrival. So that was, um, uh, I don't like. I don't think. I don't think there was an mission four. That was the the test, the troubleshooting test. Um, I don't think there I... was one on the boat mission. Um, oh, um, mission six, the producer. He was indigo, wasn't he? That you had to. You had the guy you had to assassinate. Yes, he was indigo. Maybe that was the first time. So I guess I really did skip Indigo and Violet um, to go straight to Ultraviolet in this campaign uh, in terms of exposing new people. Um, so I like I probably wouldn't do that if this was my first Paranoia campaign. But um, all the players have seen the song and dance before of different clearance levels up to Indigo. So I was like, let's let's do a big jump. That'll be interesting. Mission four was when we met Elroy, right? Uh, or maybe no no no, no mission, five, five. mission five it was after yes, mission five after the after the after the museum that's right um let's see so uh there were that's all, all the questions I think but then what were the ones I said I was gonna come back to we already came back to uh the um service groups yeah more secret society stuff well uh I think the next like we were in the P's uh in terms of secret societies going through them alphabetically. Um, you want to talk about Purge? Give me give me your take on Purge. Uh, Purge. Well, uh, Purge is interesting in that it's like, I think conceptually and mechanically, it's basically just the inverse of the armed forces and uh, insect. Like yeah. th- this is just Alpha Complex, but instead of serving the computer, they're fighting the computer. That's that's it. Really, is in my mind just the antithesis to the Alpha complex that is under Frank computer. Yeah, and I, th- I they're, think they're I... like if this was a normal form of media, this would be the rebellion. You know, this would be the rebel group. But instead, you have you have like a shit ton of absolutely batshit insane rebel groups, and Purge is kind of kind of grim compared to uh, like good guy hearted uh, like good hearted rebels. I don't think we've seen quite enough of that, honestly. That's something that I was going to change at one point. Maybe I'll maybe I'll still have time to change it. You know, you never know. Um, I think if but, you like, know, a... Purge, Purge will do a lot of fucked up shit to get rid of the computer, like blowing up elevators for no reason other than to uh, keep computers servants of the computer busy. Yes, there's certainly a lot of subgroups of Purge, and you know, a, a, the assassination group. Uh, you're probably not going to see a lot of because specifically, uh, law is what I'm in. I believe I think it's called law. I... That's a double check. Just, I think it's called justice. It's one of justice, those. Justice, right? Yes, I know. I have the subgroup written down. I think it's law or justice or something like that. But I think this probably wasn't the best. Uh, not. I mean, not not that it's not a good faction for the yeah, game. Yeah, maybe it's I mean, maybe I shouldn't have done something so oddly specific. It's interesting. Like, again, it's interesting for people who are 
have been in Paranoia before. Um, I think I think only in hindsight, because you know the idea of going after purge traders can be very interesting to people who have knowledge of the game, like they yeah. understand like the the. That's another. Importance. That's actually that's that's you know that's good in terms. What do you do with new players versus old players? New players, you got to cut some stuff out. Um, don't talk about don't talk about subgroups. They don't need to know. There's like 18 secret societies or some shit in this game. Just, you know, just say that everyone in those societies is exactly the same or, you know, uh, mostly the same. You know, you you can, can, you there, can... either, there either is or is not infighting. Don't worry about it more than that. You know, Corporal Metal, they, they, it's all same guys. You know, if you, if you do any more than that, there's no way people will understand what's going on even a little bit. And then eventually, like, it just becomes nonsense that you're saying to them and it's not fun. Um, you gotta give them, you, you have to remember that, like, the, sort of the weird thing about paranoia, um, in any game, no, you know, this isn't a weird thing about Paranoia. This, this is actually a thing in any tabletop game, I think, now that I think about it. When you start, the knowledge the players have is unrealistically less than what their characters would have. Once you've played for a while, it becomes unrealistically more than what they should have. So the players actually need to dumb themselves down to be in character eventually, um, which is what the, my players have to do now. They know I'm... Well, at the start of this campaign, they knew way more about stuff than their troubleshooters should know. Um, but when you start playing Paranoia, or or anything, I think, pretty much, you know, like, your your adventurer would know pretty much all, like, the basic races in D&D that you would meet in a city. They would just, they would already know that, you know? You wouldn't have to explain that to a guy who goes around and, and goes into dungeons and gets paid and does mercenary work. Um, you know, your troubleshooters... They know what the service groups are. They've heard rumors about all the secret societies, probably, um, or most of them. They know all the rules of Alpha Complex. That's the thing. That's the thing. You have to give players a safety net. That's in the book, too. It says, give your players a safety net. It's not fun. This is a specific example in the book. It's not fun if uh, somebody says, you know, oh, here's a can of BBB. And somebody says, what's BBB? And they say, you don't know what BBB is? You must be a traitor. Bam! You know, you can't, you can't do that to people uh, because there's so many things that like, yeah, if your character said, what's BBB, they would be killed. But this player doesn't know these things yet, you know? It's certainly interesting because I'm sure a lot of people, if they were running this or playing a part of this or had foreknowledge of this at all, they would want, you know, because like, like Core Four Metal, I feel like it's one of its main attractions is the idea that the robots do not agree on what to do with humans. And that's a core part of Core for Metal. But someone who's just just been introduced to Core for Metal, the faction that wants robot supremacy, they're not... Like, all this infighting, it's like, is this really one group? Is this really one philosophy? Does this mean anything? Maybe Core for Metal was a bad example, because I think that uh, the disagreement is actually a, a pretty core part. I do think oh, it's yeah. a core part. Um, yes. Like I was thinking that the the FCCCP that one it's really important. You have to acknowledge that there's no agreement about what like what all the doctrine is. People are always arguing about that, um, so you have to acknowledge that. And corporate metal, I think you're actually I think that was a bad example. There, that is actually one where you have to say you know there's there's not complete agreement about what to do with humans. You know, so uh, some people you know say that all the humans should just get out of Alpha Complex. Some people say we need to turn them into cyborgs. Some people say we just gotta kill them. Um, and then, think, you know, I probably just, I, I probably literally just say that. 
Um, you know, don't don't explain that there's names of all these different factions and stuff like that. You, that, that it, that's going to be too hard for um, you. Oh, and another thing, you should introduce mainly the secret societies that the players are in with new players. Like, have your first four missions if you got four players. If you got okay, if you got four players, have the first five secret societies you introduce be each of the ones that they're in, but also an extra one thrown in so that they don't know that for sure. Um, and then keep introducing more. Um, because not only does the player need to have a segment that's about their secret society to learn more about it, you can't explain everything before the game. Like, you can try, but they're not going to comprehend it all until they see it in action. But also, if the other players want any hope of guessing what society people are in, then clearly you need to introduce the societies that the players are in. And it's really hard. To, it's hard to figure it out when you're new. Even if you know four societies and you know that you're in one of them. And you know that the other players are probably in the other three. If you throw in an extra one, then that makes it very hard. But for the, like, I didn't even consider something like that for this campaign. Because everybody here, they don't know. Like, I don't think every player has every single society memorized. You probably forget one if you tried to list them all off. But I'd probably forget one if I tried to list them all off the top of my head. But if you if a society is brought up, the players are going to know what that is. Um, so I didn't need to worry about that. I think the idea is, the best way to go about it is, every society has, like, a vanilla main group. That's how we say the, mm-hmm. the main organizational force. And then that has sub-branches, and then there's break-off Which is definitely not because the game designers had expansion booklets. It's not because <laughs> of that, no. <laughs> no. Don't worry about that. I think it's important that you, when you're first playing or when you're first introducing, that that, that, is the, that you do not mention or really focus on the subgroups. You gotta go with the main group first, and then once that frame of reference has been built, then you can going all this wacky bullshit like uh, purge has a group dedicated to hunting down uh traitors or you can go uh <sighs> death leopards isn't a good choice because there there's nothing there's nothing cohesive about them uh <laughs> or you well, can go you, into the I mean, you know the the cohesion is that they're all crazy it's a bunch of crazy guys in a bunch of crazy gangs that like destroying things they're anarchists but like for the for the SCCP, you, you would not be able to start off with, first of all, Justice, because that's just Purge. Uh, I won't go into that too much. I think we've talked about Justice. Uh, yeah. Uh, not 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 Purge Justice, to be specific, but FCCP's Justice. Oh, I think yeah. they're called Templar or something. They, uh, they, they have a specific version, yeah, that, that seeks out heretics. It, it, is, it is basically... The definition of heretic changes daily, though, unfortunately. But, you know, <laughs> it makes it a little bit trickier than Purge. Yeah. It's not like justice in the sense that it's a branch dedicated to hunting down people. It's a, it's just purged within SCCP, except they're fanatical loyalists to a mm-hmm. degree that even ultraviolets are like, this is a secret society, this is illegal. <laughs> like this, this is as bad as purge. To be completely this, honest, this has to stop. Say, yeah, <laughs> this is too much. <laughs> this needs to stop. Which is, it's always funny. Just <sighs> SCCP justice is such a funny society because it's within one of the most benign and like passed over societies in terms of what how much insect cares how much the computer cares but it's as bad as purge as far as everyone else is concerned like they need to go they need to stop yeah and that's that's not something you can introduce at the gate for sccp because it's it is just so deviant from what sccp is generally supposed to be yeah or like church of the anti-computer that was really funny i put that in campaign two there was a lot of that in campaign two but like it's just just say that there's a bunch of different churches with different doctrines. Yeah. 
there's a lot. I think an important thing is that a lot of secret societies at their core are not wacky or or ridiculous. They're very understandable. Like Purge is is you know, uh, grittier rebels from Star Wars. Um, yeah, most SCC... of them make sense. Like just like if you evaluate, yeah. If you if you get rid of members of degree one to five, it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> but the, the lower degrees of people who are basically brainwashed alpha complex citizens but are trying to get started in a society, it starts to get really weird, especially with all the other weird shit in alpha complex. And there's like like you said, per, uh, not purge. Death Leopards is, you know, they're just general anarchists. They're just fucking teenage rebellion, except they have uh, a propensity towards rioting and property damage. Yeah, and then the free enterprise is the mafia. They are the mafia. Yeah, and of course these things get wildly different if you get them into subgroups. Like, uh, this is not a, probably the best example, but Death Leopards has the cool groups where they do not care about anything but looking as cool. Like they act like they are video game characters trying to get the highest score. They're gonna yeah, they're gonna be screaming swordmaster, trickster, swordmaster, trickster, gunslinger, gunslinger, <laughs> and no one's gonna understand anything. N- in that setting, there's no character who's gonna have an in-character reference for why these psychos are acting like this. And neither are you, practically, if you're a new player. It's gonna be like, it's gonna seem not. Why is this? Why is this guy doing this? There's a there's a lot of like the we talked uh, literally last episode of me and lights we talked about how there's there probably are too many secret societies to the point where some of them got folded into each other in later versions. Like the mystics, like they don't have enough going for them to be their own secret society. In if you really think about it, like there's just not a lot of stuff there that other societies. They can't really do. should just be romantics. I'll be honest. Um, the mystics should just be romantics. But like um, my my counter argument was that it's fun because with all the subgroups of groups. Like, somebody could, like, like walk up to you on the street, give you something, say some weird shit to you, and walk away. And you'd be like, okay, there's, like, seven things that guy could be in. And you try to narrow it down in your head, you know? Um, and that's that's kind of fun. I think subgroups do add to the intrigue, which I think is a very important part of Paranoia. Though it has been... Uh, I think a really important part is intergroup intrigue, which is... Not something that exists anymore due to the several sledgehammers that we've taken to each other's secret societies. <laughs> yeah. We, we, it is quite incredible. Like, it is not norm how incredibly quickly we either figured out each other's societies or, or in my case, just strong-armed it out of everyone. <laughs> Which I think maybe was a mistake on my part, though I do enjoy uh, the group cohesion towards certain goals. Group cohesion can be fun when, like, when everyone has secret goals and, like, you know what someone's secret goals are going to be, and you're like, "Listen, I'll help you with this if you help me with that." You no, know, that's cool too. But that's something because uh, working together is not uncommon. Like during other games, if someone was doing something somewhat suspicious and you could somewhat figure it out, but not why or what. Like one example is uh, we had a mission where I basically was in an elevator with someone, and I looked in the eyes and I said, "Hey, you're doing this." Do you, can I know why you're doing this? And they're like, well, why are you doing this? And then we just shake hands and say, all right, well, this doesn't, we don't interfere with each other. But that specifically, that was with Ram. And I, uh, we shook hands and basically I was trying to kill, I think, a few people. It was a mission with Steph and Jake and all of them. It was an old mission. Hmm. But we, we, I don't think I ever learned what Ram society was. And <laughs> Ram, I don't think even really learned what, like my society or missions were, but it's not uncommon or unfun to 
as long as you know they're not going to screw up your mission, work together with them. But I certainly think it may have been too far with how I stronged everyone into my own base school group. And now we've well, created you know, a... It's certainly it's, been fun. It's, it's, it's been a ride. It's been a wild ride. It's certainly been interesting, but I don't think might be something you might want not to encourage. Yeah, you uh, you you want to prevent players from going too overboard in like uh, strong arming. I think is what you said. Strong arming each other because sometimes it can get held ram and be a gunpoint. And yeah, sometimes it can realist- get a little too much. Realistically, probably they shouldn't have caved, but. I mm. did just told him at gunpoint, and that was honestly, I don't think that was an out of character thing to do for my character, but I don't think it was a good thing for me as a player to do. I do think that maybe that wasn't a great idea for this campaign. It was a high stress situation. <laughs> it wasn't even a high stress situation. I was just really keen. The room behind you was filling with acid, dude. It's a high stress situation. What do you want? <laughs> it was high stress for them. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think maybe it would have been a better campaign overall if I hadn't done that. Though I think the void also wouldn't be on the table if we hadn't done that. I don't know. It's a hard thing to quantify, but I do believe that a strong point of of uh, paranoia is the intergroup intrigue, because it's really really fun to try and pin down what are people doing, why are they doing it, what society are they in. Yeah, and a lot of resources usually go towards confirming your suspicions like to the point where uh in i think the original two games since we had such big groups uh we actually had it on the table that we could spend like our favors like things that are like used for money or for productions on just saying hey is this guy in this yes or no and that was like your entire favor from your society and that was yes it was important enough in those games because of the intrigue and the intergroup you know conflict that you would not look at it and say that's stupid i would not waste my points on that you say that's actually very tempting to know for certain if I'm right or wrong. And I did yeah. actually use that once to figure out if I had a teammate, because I think Lights or someone else was very... I think I think specifically what I offered is you can spend uh, a favor to say, I want to know the number of people in this society in my group. Yes. So you can say, I want to know the number of people in Purge. Um, and, you know, if it's zero, you know, oh, nobody's in Purge. If it's one, you know, you're like, oh, somebody's in Purge. If it's two, uh-oh... <laughs> It's certainly an aspect that we have lost in this game, which I do regret because I do think it would be much more enjoyable. Uh, not perhaps to us, because I do think it's very, very fun to be doing this group hangout bullshit. I do think it's incredibly interesting and funny. But I do think it would be better for, say, the audience if we were still more fully engaging in the intrigue aspect of paranoia. Rather than well, just, uh... that's just another reason for me to kill all of you and start over. Thank you for listening to this episode of Paranoia. Fight together, or die a clone.